Welcome to the Powerhouse Youth Podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today, and we hope that this builds you up and helps you live out your faith. Enjoy the message. Two people got kind of excited, like halfway, so that's cool. Are y'all excited about Thanksgiving break? Yeah, I figured you'd get a little more excited about that. Who is ready to sleep in and eat their weight in turkey? Who doesn't like turkey, but you like the ham? I'm more of a ham guy. Ham's just better. Turkey's kind of dry, I mean, honestly. But you just got to have a little bit just because it's Thanksgiving, yeah. But really... My favorite food is dressing and rolls. I mean, y'all. Yeah, you get some Hawaiian rolls. Uh, yeah, that's, that's when you know, like, God's good. Amen. Hey, before we jump in, I'm going to scoots, scootsy a little closer here. Well, you crazy, girl. Um <laughs> Hey, um, so before we jump in, I actually had like kind of a funny uh, story, uh, funny thing that happened to me this past week. Uh, we were at church on Sunday, and afterwards, man, uh, we were actually going out to eat at Amigo Juan. Uh, we were hanging out, getting some Mexican food. Anybody you're a fan of Amigo Juan? Yeah, okay, y'all. Best queso in town, I'm just going to say. So if you want some good queso, go to Amigo Juan, because it's the bomb. Uh, but we were at Amigo Juan. There was a few of us there hanging out. Brittany and I, Josh and Taylor were eating lunch. Um, hey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Evidence and them were there. We had, there was like, okay, so we walk in Amigo Juan, and we realize it's like church on the rock lunchtime at Amigo Juan, okay? So we start seeing all these people from our church. We have, you know, we say, hey, whatever we eat, but then all of a sudden, uh, we're getting like at, to the end of our meal, and all the workers come out and start singing happy birthday, and so I'm like, oh, wow, like, whose birthday is it, you know? And I'm, like, looking around, and uh, then I realize all the workers are singing to me. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. And so, like, I stop them, and I'm like, no, I'm sorry. This is not, you know, my birthday. I really apologize. And at that time, I look over to my left, and Anthony and, like, a big group of powerhouse people were all, like, looking around the corner, like, crying, laughing. Like, they thought it was the funniest thing ever. And I was like, no, I'm really sorry, man. These are our youth students and Anthony that are agging this thing on, and uh, it's really not my birthday. And so she got so awkward, and she just stood there, like, right in front of me holding this dessert. And she didn't know what to do. And so finally, I was just like, okay, yeah, I'll, yeah, it's my birthday. Okay, yeah, like, I don't even know what to do, so I just accepted it. They put the sombrero on me. I think, is there, they're not a picture back there, my bad. I thought I had a picture to put on the screen. Uh, they put the sombrero on, on me. They sung to me, and y'all, I got a free sopapilla. It's the bomb. So if you haven't had one of those, get one because they're good. Uh, and then at the end, I went back there and uh, tried to make Anthony and all them feel bad for lying to the Amigo Juan workers. So anyways, y'all, don't be lying to the Amigo Juan workers. It was like one of the most awkward moments ever, okay? So don't do that. But hey, uh, man, I really do hope that uh, you're excited about going into Thanksgiving break and all that. Man, I know you're uh, excited about having some days off. Can I get an Amen. Man, I'm excited about having some days off, too. Man, I really feel like uh, the last few weeks, um, man, God has really been here in, uh, in a powerful way. 
And so, uh, man, I really feel like, uh, man, our, our worship's been powerful. The messages have been powerful. Uh, I've been trying to give you a little more content. I don't know if you've realized that, but I've been giving you a little more content than I typically would, and I think it's been good. Have y'all enjoyed that? Okay, and so uh, tonight, I have another message. It's a little more content, but uh, this is something that God really laid on my heart, and so, man, I think you'll get something good out of it. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 3, so if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can turn there. If not, you can look on the Sky Bible. Um, Sky Bible. (laughs) What's wrong with y'all? Roid rage. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, uh, they look very upset over there. Hey, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Let's go uh, to the Lord, and uh, we'll get started. And so, uh, God, we do come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for everyone that's here. Lord, we thank you for tonight, just that we're uh, able to come into your presence. Lord, we just pray that you would have your way in us tonight. Lord, that you would speak to each and every heart. God, each person would receive exactly what they need tonight. And and, uh, Lord, that you would have your way in us. And everyone said... Amen, amen. Okay, so y'all, we're actually going to look at uh, Matthew chapter 3. You're going to be looking at the story of Jesus' baptism. Okay, we're going to pull a few truths out of there. And so really the main topic at hand tonight is going to be identity. Okay, and so everyone say identity. Okay, I'm going to start with like kind of a funny story because, y'all, if you haven't realized this, there are a lot of young people who are confused about who they are. Would you agree? Okay, I'll, I'll kind of share this. Uh, you know, it was several years ago. We had a, one student in particular that used to come and hang out with us all the time at Powerhouse, okay? Uh, man, he was a, man, a, a great guy. He was a cool guy. He meant, he meant well. Uh, but I'll say this about him. Every time he came in, it was like he was a different person. Do you ever, you know somebody like this? Like one day he comes into Powerhouse, he's dressed like a cowboy, like, he's got a cowboy hat, like, all of a sudden, like, it kind of looks like he has a dip in, but it's that beef jerky dip, you know, that guys use to act tough. Y'all, guys, y'all know y'all have had that before. Y'all. <laughs> and, you know, he's like, he's dressed like a cowboy, and then the next week, man, he'll come in, and he'll have, like, joggers on with, like, a long tee and a backwards, like, flat bill, and you're just like, wait, like, who are you? And, and then he's like becoming a rapper. And like, I'm really just confused about who he is. And, you know, I say that it's kind of funny. We, you can probably think of someone like that at your school. You know, maybe someone is like, I'm not really sure where they fit in. You know, it's like they're dressed different. They're a different person every day. But I really think this young man was confused about who he was. Man, what, uh, what his identity really was, uh, who God created him to be. And, and tonight, I, I really want to talk about that for just a moment, uh, and I think this will, this will help you. This is something that uh, God's kind of been challenging me with uh, as well, okay? But I want you to look at Matthew 3. We're going to look at verse 13 and 14 first, okay? And it says, and then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John the Baptist to be baptized by him. John would have pretended or prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Okay, this is kind of significant here uh, because John recognizes that he should not be baptizing Jesus. Okay, why should John not be baptizing Jesus? Because Jesus is the man. That's very good response. Okay, so John is like, hey, Jesus, I, I don't need to be baptizing you. What about, like, let's swap this thing around. You dunk me in the water a couple times. Like, we'll call it even. And, uh, and so this is what's kind of happening here. John is recognizing who Jesus is. 
Okay, do you see that? He recognizes who Jesus is, uh, and then he also understands that his baptism is actually a baptism of what? Starts with an R. It's a baptism of repentance, okay? Hopefully, you're kind of aware of that. We're gonna talk about that a little bit before we move on uh, tonight, but John's baptism is a baptism of repentance, okay? That's significant because John knows Jesus has, has no wrongdoings. He has nothing to repent of. Does that make sense? Y'all, that's a big deal. Literally, you have nothing to repent of ever in your whole life it's like some of us, we probably have stuff we need to repent of like that we're thinking about right now during a church service. Okay, have you ever been there? Some of you are like, uh, I'm looking like kind of guilty eyes around. Okay, a few smirks. Everyone's looking down. It's cool. We, we've probably all been there. But think about the magnitude of that statement, just that idea for a second. Jesus lived without sin. He walked in purity and righteousness his whole life. So John is saying, Jesus, you don't need to be baptized. You need to be dunking me in the water, okay? And sin, uh, actually what happens is uh, Jesus, or actually John actually baptized Jesus anyway, okay? And so we kind of get a clue to why this happens in uh, verse 15. So look at this. It says, but Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Okay, that wording of this statement is a little confusing, but I want you to understand, um, Jesus is saying it's fitting for him to be baptized by John, for him to be able to, to fulfill all righteousness. Okay, what he's talking about is Jesus came to make the unrighteous righteous, right? And so in this moment, Jesus didn't need to be baptized because he had sin. He was the perfect sacrifice, right? But he got baptized to be identified with sinners, does this make sense? So he did this to be identified with us and also to be an example uh, to us, which is a, a really powerful thing. And so before we go on to our main topic tonight, uh, I feel like I've got to touch on these two things before we kind of move on and discuss identity. Okay, so uh, first, we're going to talk a little bit about repentance. Everybody say repentance. Then we're going to talk a little bit about baptism. Everybody say baptism. Okay, and so we're going to talk about this because they're, they're two pillars of our faith. Okay, and so the message that John the Baptist proclaimed, if you want to uh, read this, you can go back and look a, a few verses. I think it's the very beginning of Matthew 3. Uh, John the Baptist is proclaiming his message, and it's to repent and be baptized. Okay, what does re repentance mean? What does the word repent mean? Does anybody know? You want to take a, a whack at it. <laughs> okay, and so I'm seeing, I'm, I'm hearing a bunch of different ideas, beg for forgiveness to say I'm sorry, we messed up, anybody else? <laughs> Somebody's uh, using Google over here. Okay, okay, so I want you to look at this because I, I feel like a lot of us, we have a misconception about what repentance really means. Okay, because it's deeper than just asking uh, for forgiveness and it's deeper than just saying I'm sorry. Okay, and so actually when you look uh, in the Greek, uh, repentance comes from a Greek word, uh, metanoia. Okay, and so these are the two kind of theological definitions I want you to understand before we move on. So pay attention to this. It says, a change of mind which results in a change of lifestyle. Also, to change one's attitude or thought towards sin and righteousness. 
Okay, so listen to this. Think about this for just a second. John is calling people to recognize their sin, not only to ask for forgiveness and to say, God, I'm sorry, but he's saying, after I recognize that I have sin in my life, there needs to be a change. Did you realize that just going to God and just asking for forgiveness but continuing in that same sin is actually an unbiblical response? Did you know that? Anybody you ever been guilty of that? Anybody you ever had that thought like, okay, well, I'm going to do this, but then later I'm just going to go to God and I'm going to ask for forgiveness. You ever thought about that? I know I did, especially when I was younger. I used to think, like, dude, this is awesome. I'll just do whatever I want to do, and then I'll just ask for forgiveness later. And this isn't a real response to the gospel, okay? It's saying when uh, true repentance is when we realize we have done wrong, and then we begin to change our lifestyle after that. We, we walk away from our sin. We lay those things down at the foot of the cross and begin to pursue a life of righteousness. Does this make sense tonight? And so the the message that is proclaimed here, and actually the message that is proclaimed uh, by the early church in the New Testament, when you look in the book of Acts, and you look at the the apostles, when they begin to preach, uh, they, they always call them not to, hey, come down to the altar and say a prayer, repeat after me. They always say, hey, repent of your sins and be baptized. Did you know that? Repent of your sins and be baptized. So he's saying, hey, I need to lay down my issues and I need to change my lifestyle. I need to change my mindset. And so a biblical response to what Jesus did for us on the cross is laying down your sin, recognizing that you have a problem, and then changing your attitude, your mindset towards that issue, not continuing to walk in it. Did you know that? That's a little deeper, right, than just going to God and asking for forgiveness? Anybody? That's a little more challenging. You with me? Y'all with me so far? I mean, I'm telling you, this is, this is something that you need to know because repentance is a pillar of our faith. I mean, for us to come to Christ, repentance is needed. And actually, I would go as far as to say, if there is not true repentance, I wouldn't believe that person is saved. Okay, and so I want to challenge you. Some of us in here tonight, you know, maybe we have gotten stuck in that routine of, of simply asking God just to forgive our wrongdoings, but have you truly repented, turned away from those things, and began to, to try to shift and change your lifestyle? Because if you hadn't, then I, I believe you're not engaged in a lifestyle of repentance. Does this make sense? And so uh, all of us tonight, maybe, maybe you've been walking in, in issues, you've been struggling with the same deal for a while, and you just keep asking God to forgive you. And listen, there's grace and there's mercy for that. But also God called us to walk away and to pursue righteousness. Does this make sense? Yeah, that's not like a big amen time. Y'all are all like, oh man, it's a little more difficult than we thought, right? And so I'm telling you, this is, this is what Scripture teaches us. And so, man, if you're here tonight and that's been you, man, I believe that tonight God wants to give you an opportunity to repent of some things, to say, God, I'm tired of dealing with this in my life. I'm tired of, man, struggling with this all the time. I'm tired of coming to you and just asking for forgiveness every day because I keep returning to the same thing and to the same thing. Proverbs actually says that we are like dogs who return to their vomit. We return to the very thing that makes us sick, right? We do a sin, we feel bad, we go and ask for forgiveness, and then we go back to the thing that made us feel bad. Does that make sense? 
And so I'm telling you, some of us in here tonight, you need to understand that God calls not only to ask for forgiveness, but he calls you to repent of that sin and to lay it at his feet. There's power in repentance. There's power in recognizing our issues and saying, God, I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm changing my lifestyle from here on out. And there's power in that, I'm telling you. It's more than just asking for forgiveness. And so tonight, if that's you, And we're going to give you an opportunity just to have a moment with God and to repent of things that are going on in your life. And you're going to have an opportunity to do that. But uh, I want to move on real fast uh, just to water baptism. Okay, who in here, by show of hands, you've ever been baptized before? Okay, cool. And and so, man, most of us, we, we have. And so a lot of what happens, I feel like, in the church world, and this happened to me, uh, but I got baptized when I was really young. Okay, and so I wanted to get baptized. I knew I loved God, but I didn't really fully understand what baptism meant. I didn't know the significance of it. And so when I got older, uh, I got baptized again, when I had a full understanding of what baptism was. And then actually just a couple years ago, I got baptized again because we were in Israel and we were at the Jordan River. And I was like, I'm going to be baptized where Jesus was baptized because that's awesome, right? Okay, so I got dunked again, okay? I'm not telling you you got to get dunked three times, but what I am going to tell you is you need to understand the significance of baptism, what it means, and if you didn't know that when you got baptized before, maybe you need to get rebaptized. okay? And so, uh, listen, when you realize that you've sinned, you realize that, uh, I mean, you've made a mistake, uh, we repent of our sin, and then water baptism is actually an act of purification, Okay, and so it it represents being washed clean and uh, made righteous through Christ and Christ and his cross. Okay, so it's a a symbolic representation of what Christ did on the cross. His blood was shed to purify all mankind, right? And so it's saying, hey, we we have sin, we have issues in our life, but when we go under the water, we're dying with Christ, we come back up, and we're made pure, we're made clean, we're made holy, not because the water cleansed us, but because Jesus did, amen? And so uh, I'm telling you, there's a call to repent, and then the second kind of part of their gospel, this message that they proclaimed, repent and be baptized. You see it all throughout the New Testament. This is what uh, a lost person uh, needs to do when they become a a Christian, when they choose to follow Christ. They need to repent, and they need to be baptized. It's a sign of, of obedience, Okay, and and I'm telling you, it's a powerful thing here to think Jesus didn't need to be baptized, and yet he did as an example for us and to identify with us, okay? And so, uh, man, if you have not been baptized, and and we'll do a bigger teaching on this uh, probably at our winter retreat when we do it, uh, we'll have a time for water baptisms at our retreat. So if you want to get baptized there, we would love to baptize you. Uh, But also, you can come and talk to one of us. You can talk to me, one of our leaders, and we would love to schedule you uh, to get baptized at one of our weekend services. And we would love to do that. And so, man, if that's something that God has been putting on your heart, come and talk to one of us tonight, and we'll, man, we'll get you hooked up. Uh, but I want to move on tonight to kind of our main topic, uh, and this is uh, where I feel like um, tonight's conversation is going to get a little more interesting. Okay, so look back at Matthew 3. We're going to look at verses 16 and 17. This is actually the uh, act of Jesus' baptism, and it says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. 
And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Okay, we referenced this passage uh, a few weeks ago, and we were talking about the differences uh, between the Holy Spirit and its role in the Old Testament versus the Holy Spirit's role in the New Testament. Uh, but another thing that's neat here before we move on to the topic of identity, uh, you can actually see all, um, all three parts of the Godhead uh, here in this passage, in these two verses. Okay, if you've ever heard the word Trinity referred to, um, I guess referring to God, I want you to see this. Uh, God is one being, three in one being. I don't, I don't know if you've ever kind of understood that. They call our God the triune God. But think about this for a second. Who's this passage about? Who's getting baptized? Okay, so Jesus, the Son, is getting baptized. That's one. Okay, right after Jesus gets baptized, who comes down? The Holy Spirit, God, comes down on God the Son, and then after the Holy Spirit comes down, who speaks? God the Father. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's God, 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 yes. Okay, and so it's really kind of a neat thing here. I mean, if, if you've never understood that God is three beings in one, uh, this is a, I mean, a really good passage that will help you kind of understand that. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But what I want you to kind of take a look at, uh, I want you to look at what God spoke over Jesus. Uh, this is what I thought was uh, very significant for tonight. What did, what did God speak over Jesus? You remember? And like, uh, that's it. God uses likes and a lot of us like that, you know, bro and stuff. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, you, you were almost there. It says, okay, uh, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well, well pleased. Okay, and so this is kind of what's happened to me. I've read through this verse a lot of times. I'll be honest. There have been a lot of times I've read through that little quote from God, and I haven't thought that it's really that significant. Okay, I think it's cool that God was speaking and people were able to hear him. How awesome would that be? And also like, horrifying probably at the same time. You might would think you're crazy, like I don't know. Um, but, but God is speaking and they can hear him, okay? But I think it's very significant actually what he says here, uh, and I've never thought much about it here until the last uh, week or two, okay? And so why did God say, this is my son uh, with whom I'm well pleased? Uh, it was because God was uh, authenticating Jesus's identity, Okay, he was validating, affirming Jesus' identity. Okay, and so I want you to kind of understand this because we're gonna keep going down this kind of identity trail for just a moment. Okay, God revealed that it's important to have the right identity. It's essential for God's people to know who they are. Okay, and so instead of uh, choosing to say anything else, think about all the possibilities that God could have spoken over Jesus, right? They're endless. He chose to say, this is my son whom I love and who I'm pleased with. Okay, that is significant. Although you can think, okay, well, maybe God could have come up with something like a little cooler to say, you know, or I've kind of had those thoughts before. Uh, but listen, God made sure that Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew that he was the son of God, right? This didn't come as like the surprise to him, like, whoa, I'm the son of God all of a sudden when I get baptized. No, Jesus knew this his whole life. Uh, actually, if you look in uh, Luke chapter two, uh, most scholars believe this happened when Jesus was about 12 years old, but 
Jesus' parents lost him. Okay, talk about being in, like, hot water. You lose the Son of God? <laughs> like, oh, man, like, oh, God, I'm so, I'm so, I know where he's at. I mean, like, you can't even, like, lie or, like, cover it up. Like, that's just kind of like a low of lows, okay? So they lose Jesus. They're looking for him. They can't find Jesus for three days. Y'all, that's crazy. When they finally find Jesus, if that was my mama, I would have been dead, okay? Like she would have just choked me or strangled me or something. But they find Jesus, and where was he? Jesus is at the temple. Look at this verse, Luke 2, 49. Jesus said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus, 12 years old. Oh, I'm in my father's house. Do you think Jesus knows who he is? I think it's pretty clear, right? Like Jesus has known his whole life, I'm the son of God, right? And so God is speaking this here in this moment at Jesus' baptism that, that you are my son, I love you, and I'm well pleased with you. Uh, Jesus already knew these things, but uh, it was a good reminder. And listen, our first point tonight, if you're taking notes, you want to write this down, is that God wants you to know who you are. God wants you to know who you are. Okay, listen, it's important to God for you to know who you are. It's important to God for you to know that. Think about this for a moment. This is happening, this encounter here in Matthew 3, Jesus' baptism. This was before Jesus had done anything amazing. Okay, this is before Jesus' ministry. This is before any miracles. This is before uh, he's healed anyone. This is before he's taught thousands of people in these crowds that gather around him. This is before he walked on water. This is before he spoke peace to the storm. And God speaks over him, you're my son, and I love you. Man, I think all of us in this room tonight, you need to kind of hold on to this truth for just a second. You need to know that God's love, his grace, and his mercy is not dependent on your performance or on your works. Before Jesus had done anything amazing, before Jesus had begun his ministry, God comes and affirms his identity and says, hey, I love you. It's not about what Jesus did. God just loves him. Is that not like an exciting thing? Because I think a lot of us, we get caught up in this mindset that we need to perform, we need to do this, we have to be righteous, we have to be holy to, to earn God's love or to get him to look upon us with favor. And listen, this is not what we find in Scripture about God. It says God loved us while we were yet sinners. Did you know that? Before we've done anything to build God's kingdom, before we've done anything good, God loved us. And so listen, God's affection towards you is not based on your righteousness or your works. You understand that tonight. The, the verse I quote is Romans 5, 8. It says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Look at Romans 2, 4. It says, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Listen, this idea, this, this truth, this unconditional love that God loves us no matter our performance or works, that God still cares for you, this truth is what draws us to God. So even when you're at your worst, 
even when you've got every mistake, every sin, every issue present in your life, maybe you're sitting here and you feel bad about some things that you've been doing even the last couple of days, you feel guilty, can I tell you the truth that God loves you? God loves you even though you've done all those terrible things. Listen, that's good news. And you will never experience that kind of unconditional love other than with your relationship with God. No one else can love that way. Hey, listen, most love, most relationships are conditional. Did, did you know that? You start treating somebody bad, boy, they peace out on you pretty quick, okay? I'm telling you, God's love is the only love that is unconditional. Man, I'm telling you, that is what captures our hearts, his goodness, his kindness, his love for us while we're still jacked up, while we're still messed up, man, that's what draws us to him, that peace, that grace, that mercy that he extends to us that we don't understand. But one, I want you to see this in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hey, I want, want you to see this. You're, you're, I guess, position with God is not based on your works. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on how good you do. But did you know that God saved you to good works? He saved you for good works. He wanted to move in your life so you would do all these great things to build his kingdom. And actually, Ephesians 2.10 says that he's prepared good works for you beforehand that you would walk in them. But the hard thing is we have to make the decision to actually walk in them or be lazy and not do anything God's called us to do. And so listen, God's love is not based on your performance. It's not based on your works. Uh, but God still calls us to good works and to build his kingdom. And so, uh, listen, God wants you to know who you are, but this is uh, point number two tonight, if you're writing down. Uh, it says, but for, you t uh, but for you to know who you are, you have to know whose you are. Okay, for you to know who you are, you have to know whose you are. Okay, think about this for just a moment. It's not significant that Jesus is someone's son. Everyone in the world is somebody's son or somebody's daughter, right? I mean, that's not like a really this like big thing where you get like pumped up and like you're fired up. and It's like, oh, yeah, I'm a son. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and so is he, and so is he. Like every, everybody in the world is, is somebody's son, okay? Uh, but what was significant is that Jesus was whose son? He's God's son. Jesus is God's son. He was God's child. And so everybody in the world is somebody's son or daughter, but it was significant because Jesus was God's son or daughter. Hey, listen, man, some of us here tonight, man, we need to become a son or daughter of God. Some of us, we, we know about God but we haven't been living for him. We haven't surrendered our life to him. We haven't really repented of our sins. We haven't really repented of our issues. And I want to tell you tonight that some of you need to become a son or a daughter of God. 
And we wanna give you that opportunity to do that. But some of us, we have, we have accepted Christ, we have tried to follow Christ, but we find our identity in other things. And you need to realize that your identity should be rooted in the fact that you are a son or a daughter of God. That is the most special thing about you. Did you know that? <laughs> it's not special that you're just a son or a daughter, but it is special that you're a son or daughter of God, of the Most High. Amen. I'm getting excited. And so some of us, you need to have that realization that you belong to God. Hey, look at this in John 1, 12. It says, but to all who did receive him, speaking of Christ, to all who received Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you ever seen that before? He, came, he gave the right to become children of God. So he's saying, hey, when you give your life to Christ, you become a son or a daughter of God. Is that not awesome news? Okay, look at Romans 8, 14 through 17. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Listen, this gives the idea that when we become a Christian, we are adopted into God's family. We become a son or a daughter of God. Man, it's significant when we find our identity in that fact instead of everything else. We get adopted into God's family. And so I wanna tell you this, point three tonight, if you have accepted Christ, you need to understand this fact, you are a son and a daughter of God. This is great news for all of us, but it's even better news for some of us. Okay, because some of us in this room, and we have a rough, uh, you have a rough family life. You have a rough past. Okay, man, uh, some of us, you might feel kind of trapped in your family's cycle. You might feel defined by your family's dysfunction. You might kind of have this mindset, you know, um, every one of my family's always been poor. My family members always get divorced. No one from my family has ever gotten a college degree. No one from my family has ever raised a godly family. Hey, listen, and I have good news for you. When you become a Christian, you're no longer identified by your family's dysfunction or issues. But the Bible says you've been adopted into a new family. You become a son and a daughter of the Most High. And so that, that passage in Ephesians says you're now heirs with Christ. You have a new inheritance. You have a new identity. And you can now walk in the freedom that Christ bought with his blood. out of everything God could have chosen to speak over Jesus at his baptism, what word did he choose? He chose to call him son. Listen, some of us need to hold on to the fact that you are a son, you are a daughter of God. You might come from a rough family, you might feel like you're trapped or, or caught up in issues or whatever. Hey, that inheritance is no longer yours. You have a godly inheritance. God has transformed your life. I mean, those are facts, those are truths, those are promises that everyone in this room needs to hold on to. 
man, if you've chosen to become a Christian, if you've chosen to follow Christ, man, you're a son, you're a daughter of God. Hey, point four tonight is when you know who you are, you know what you stand for. When you know who you are, you know what you stand for. Some of us in this room, uh, man, each of our families, we probably have principles and things that you know like your, your family is just all about. Like, man, my family, man, we, we can eat. You know what I mean? Like, anybody? You're like, that's my family. Yeah, what's up? Uh, man, my family, we're, we're just super into football. Man, like everything. Uh, my family, we're, we're all artists. Like, that's totally not mine. My family, like at all. Like, I don't think any of us are artistic at all. So all of us, can you kind of think of right now, you have some things in your life, things in your family that kind of define your family, and, and you feel like that's who you are. But listen, when you become a Christian, those things that define you change. You have a new inheritance, and you know when you become a Christian, when you know who you are, when you know that you're a son and you're a daughter of God, you begin to know what you stand for. Okay, you know what you stand for. I want you to look uh, beyond Matthew 3. Look at the beginning of Matthew chapter 4. Uh, this is significant. Right after Jesus' baptism, he receives the Holy Spirit, and then actually the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tested. Okay, look at these first four verses. This is a, a really interesting story. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Y'all. That's a pretty rough day, okay? And it says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Y'all, I'm hungry right now, and I ate right before service. And then listen to this. It says, and then the tempter came, and he said to him, hey, when did Satan come? He didn't come at the beginning of the fast, he didn't come when Jesus was all energized. He, he came when Jesus was down. It had been 40 days. He hasn't eaten. He hasn't had food. Satan came to try to kick him while he's down, when he's weak, when he's beat up. I'm telling you, the tempter will come in moments of weakness, and we have to learn when and how to be strong. And it's when we rely on the one who is strong. And so look at this. So, so then the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered him, it is written, man, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, listen to me. You can go through and highlight many things through the temptation of Christ, or temptation of Christ in this story. But when Satan came to tempt Christ and to attack him, the first thing that he actually attacked was Christ's identity. I don't know if you've ever seen this. I've never seen this before, but Satan comes, and what does he start with? If you are the son of God. It's like, I think Jesus knows who he is. Jesus knows who he is, so he knows what he stands for, right? Jesus knows who he is. He knows that he's the son of God. God has just affirmed his identity at his baptism probably the day before this, or 40 days before this moment. I mean, I'm telling you, this is an awesome, awesome truth here. Look at this. Satan comes to 
challenge to attack Jesus's identity. Why would he come to attack Jesus's identity? It's like, okay, uh, bro, um, the fact that you're here is a testament to who I am. Like, Satan, you're standing right there. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Satan hasn't, like, come face-to-face with me and let's have a conversation. Like, Jesus wouldn't have to really say a whole lot, right? It's like it kind of makes sense. But why would Satan come and try to attack his identity? And I really believe it's this, and I want you to kind of understand this because this is where it gets really kind of a general application for us. Uh, Because the enemy knows if he can get you to accept or lean on any identity other than being a son or daughter of God, he knows that he can defeat you. He knows he can defeat you if you find your identity in anything other than Christ. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but Satan can defeat someone who finds their identity as being a a businessman. Satan can defeat someone who finds their identity in being an athlete. Satan can defeat someone who finds their identity in being a musician or a man or a woman or a wife or a mother one day or an artist or whatever your thing is, being a popular person, being a pretty person. Satan can defeat people who find their identity in these shallow worldly things, but you know what Satan cannot defeat? Satan cannot defeat a son or a daughter of God. 1 John chapter 5 It says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Satan can't defeat a son or a daughter of God. And as I get ready to close, I want to invite the band to come. But tonight, I want you to think about this for just a second because Satan wants you to believe a lie. We talked about this a little bit last week. Satan wants you to find your identity in something else. Satan wants you to find your identity in a sport. Satan wants you to find your identity in a significant other, in relationships, in affection, in anything else the world can offer. But I'm telling you, he can defeat people who find their identity in anything other than Christ. Man, Jesus resisted the enemy in this moment because he understood who he was and what he stood for. Hey, to the girl who is being promiscuous because she longs for attention, you haven't found your identity in Christ because you would know that there's a God who wants to spend every moment with you and you don't have to chase after a boy to get attention. To the guy that deep down has insecurities and always tries to act macho and tries to to win his father's affection, I mean, you need to learn to find your identity in your heavenly father because he loves you before you've done anything great. It's not about your performance. It's not about your actions. Most of our issues, I believe, in the Christian life, men, are because we don't truly have our identity rooted in Christ, we try to find our identity in other things that are in the world. Listen, when you understand that you're a son and daughter of God, you begin to act like a son and daughter of God. Because sons and daughters of God, they don't act like this, they don't talk about that. Sons and daughters of God don't watch pornography. Sons and daughters of God don't sleep around before marriage. 
sons and daughters of God don't do these things. They don't talk about everybody behind their back. They're not there trying to judge people and cast the first stone. Sons and daughters of God have found their identity in him and nothing else. Young people in our nation have a identity crisis because you try to find your identity in everything that you do. Oh, I'm known as a football player. I'm known as a band person. I, uh, I'm a video gamer. I'm a whatever your thing is. Listen, what happens when that thing fails? What, happen when, what happens when that thing lets you down? You know, I remember uh, getting out of high school, and obviously, man, I played a lot of sports and all those things. You know what? When I got out of high school, I stopped playing sports. My identity could no longer be rooted in something that I do, right? What, what was there for me when that was no longer there? Christ. I had to root my identity in Christ. That is who I am. And I'm telling you, if you root your identity in being a son or a daughter of God, that is something that never changes. You can be 505 years old. You're still a son and a daughter of God. Do you understand this tonight? Quit trying to find your identity in everything else. Satan can defeat people who find their identity in everything else. He knows that he can, he can render you useless in building God's kingdom if you're worried about this or worried about that. But when you realize that you're a son and a daughter of God, when you realize who you're true, what your true identity is, that changes something. That changes your mindset. Because sons and daughters live like sons and daughters. They live to honor God. And I want to tell you tonight, if you begin to find your identity in other things and other issues and things that you do, tonight's a night where you say, hey, no longer am I finding my identity and my purpose in that thing because I know one day it'll let me down. Tonight's a night where we say, I'm finding my identity in being a son or a daughter of God. And when you do that, man, God can begin to move in your life in a huge way. When you know who you are, you know what you stand for. Hey, listen, to the young person who acts one way at church, and when you go to school, you act like somebody else. Or when you're hanging out with one group of friends, you act one way, and then you're trying to fit in with someone else, you kind of change, and you're like a little chameleon. And I would say to you, you haven't found your identity in Christ. You need to find who you are in God, because then you're not worried about everything else. Does this make sense tonight? A lot of young people's issues come from not understanding who they are and whose they are. And so tonight, I want to invite you to stand up and just come up front. I want everyone just to come down with us. I know that was a little long-winded, but I, I think the topic at hand is something that kind of applies to at least every area in every person's life here tonight, including my own. But, you know, really the, the, the first topic that I hit on was really just one word, the topic of repentance. 
you know, a lot of us in this room, we've probably had moments where we come to God and we just ask for forgiveness. And I think that's a good, uh, genuine heart posture to come and ask for forgiveness. But the reality is the Bible calls for a bigger step than that. To lay those sins, to lay those issues down at Jesus' feet, to not continue to walk in them and to change our lifestyle. Men, tonight, I believe there's a group of our students that you need to have a moment with God and you need to repent of things in your life. You need to repent for how you've been living. We're gonna give you an opportunity to do that. Men, tonight, I, I feel like there's some students here as well that you know who Jesus is. Maybe you come to church, maybe... I mean, you try to be a good person, but you've never really surrendered your life to Christ. You've never really become a son and a daughter of God. You've never really repented. You've never really done those things and surrendered your life. We want to give you an opportunity to truly become a son and a daughter of God tonight. And in some of us, and you've been trying to follow God. You've been trying to run after him. You've been trying to, to live a good life, but you've been finding your identity in other things. You've been finding your identity in things that you do or people you date and all this stuff. And I'm telling you, that's a dead-end road. And tonight, you need to make that decision to say, hey, Lord, from now on, God, I find my identity in you, that I'm a son, I'm a daughter of God, and I'm going to begin to live that way. And so for just a second, I want every eye closed, every head bowed. And I just want you in your own way just to ask God, Lord, what are you speaking to me tonight? Come on, ask him if you haven't. Lord, what are you speaking to me? And I want everyone to keep their, their head bowed and their eyes closed. And tonight, if, if you feel like there's some areas, there's some things, then you just need to repent. You need to have a heart of repentance tonight. I just want you to kind of lift your hand for a moment, wave at me, and you can put it back down. We just want to say a prayer over you. Yeah, there's several hands. Come on, if that's you, yeah. That's you. Tonight, if, if you know that you've never truly become a son and a daughter of God, you've never really given your life to Christ, you, you know you've never really surrendered, you've never really repented, and you... And tonight, you want to make that decision to become a son and a daughter of God. I want you to lift your hand real quick and wave at me. I want to see who you are. And there's several hands. There's several hands. Amen. And then the last group. Man, if you know that you've been finding your identity in other things, and what you do, and who you hang out with, maybe what your gifting or talent is, and, and you know tonight that you need to change that. You need to begin to find your identity in Christ and who he says that you are. I want you to lift your hand away then. Amen. Yeah, there's several. Okay, you can put your hand down. I just want everyone to open their eyes and look at me for a second. We're about to have a moment that I just want to pray over these groups. And I'm going to believe that God will come and move in whatever area that applies to you. We serve a big God. He can minister to every need. But for a second, I just want you to surrender to God, 
talk to God about your problem. Talk to God about your issue. If you need to repent, I want you to start talking to God about what you need to repent from. What are the issues in your life? And if you want to become a son and daughter and, and you're trying to get right with God, talk to him about it. If you need a new identity in Christ, talk to him. This is what being a Christian is like. We talk to God and let me tell you, God will begin to move. And so all over the house, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to lift your hands just as a sign of surrender to God and, and who he is and his authority in your life. And in your own way, whatever need is there, whatever need, wh whatever you raised your hand for, I want you to start talking to God for just a moment. Come on, talk to him. He can hear all of us at once. Come on, God, some of us, we need to repent. Man, let's start to repent. Some of us, we need to get right with God for the first time. We're going to become sons and daughters. You'll have a new inheritance. Come on, talk to God about it. Some of us, you need a new identity. Come on, talk to him. He needs to shift something in your heart. He needs to shift something in your mind. Come on, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the students who have recognized their need for repentance. God, your word clearly calls us to more than ask for forgiveness, but Lord, that we would lay down our sin and change our lifestyle and begin to follow you. And so tonight, we pray, Lord, over every issue, over every sin, over every struggle that's represented here, for those students that are saying, Lord, tonight I'm laying this down at your feet. God, we ask for victory. We ask for freedom. We ask for forgiveness. Lord, that you would give us the strength through your Holy Spirit to bring life transformation and change. God, we ask that you would touch their heart, change their mindset, and help them to pursue a life of righteousness. We thank you for that tonight. We thank you for that tonight. God, for the students who know that they need to become sons and daughters of God. They need to get right with you. Lord, we pray a heart of repentance over them right now. God, that they would cry out to you. They would recognize their sin. Lord, right now they recognize their need for a Savior. Lord, and we recognize that Jesus Christ was our Savior. Lord, he died on the cross for our sins, for all the sins of humanity. Lord, we praise you for that. God, through Jesus Christ and his cross, there's victory, there's forgiveness, there's mercy, there's grace, there's a new life. Lord, we are made new through him. Lord, we pray that over each of those students who need to become sons and daughters tonight. Lord, we lift up our other friends, Lord, that they know that they've been finding their identity in other things. They've been finding their identity in things that they do, in relationships, in their gifts, in their talents. And, and Lord, the truth is those things at some point will always let us down. But God, you'll never let us down. And so God, we pray that you would help them right now to begin to find their identity in you. Lord, that they would be a son and a daughter of God. Lord, Satan can't defeat your sons and your daughters. Through Jesus Christ, we have your victory. Lord, we praise you right now. God, over every one of these groups, God, we just pray for a shift in, your, in their mindsets. God, shift in, in the way that they worship, shifts in the way that they pray, shifts in the way that they read your word. God, that you would begin to reveal yourself to us in a greater way. Lord, and that you would help us find our identity as sons and daughters of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
hey, look at me. We're gonna go into a time of worship. Man, all worship is is really talking to God through song. I want you to talk to God. I want you to cry out to God. Man, his presence is here. Man, I can sense him. And tonight, if you want a touch from God, if you want God to move in your life, I'm telling you, press in and worship. And he's gonna meet you here. I wanna invite our adult prayer team to come down. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to have the opportunity to pray with you. But this is what I need. For the students who recognize their need to become sons and daughters of God tonight. You raised your hand, you said, hey, I know that I need to get right with God. I need a, a savior. What I'm gonna do, I'm gonna walk right over here to the basketball goal and I wanna meet with you for just a second, just to talk to you, to encourage you, to tell you what you need to do next. And so if that was you, come and meet with me for just a second because you just made the most important decision of your life. And everybody else, let's cry out to God for a moment because he's here and he's worthy of our worship, amen.